welcome back to Absolute Worldy, the football podcast where we delve into the slightly less expected side of the 2018 FIFA World Cup Russia. Hello. How you doing, Carl? I'm feeling really good. I'm just looking ahead to these fixtures in Group E, Joel. Mm. And they're being played in 10 days' time, and that makes my kind of brain go a bit wobbly. 10 days? Revealing again when we're actually recording these podcasts. But talk, yeah, just talking about something that hasn't happened yet, and you know, maybe people listening... Even further in the future, will have by the time people start listening to this, or by the time this is released, people may well have already watched games at the World Cup. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So you know who's in Group E, don't you? I do. It's, Costa Rica, Serbia, yeah. Brazil, and Switzerland. Well, why don't I kick off with Brazil? But before I do, shall I do a, do a quick recap on the categories that we look into on this podcast? Before you do, I just like to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening, everyone. We've really enjoyed doing this, but we're halfway through and we hope you're still in there because we are just getting really into our groove now. We are getting into it like no one's business. And we're having loads of fun. So we hope that you're having fun too and you enjoy it. We are obviously talking a lot and making each other laugh. Hope you're laughing as well and not crying. Okay, so do you want to talk about the categories or shall I? You get ahead of it. I will get ahead of it. Okay, Putin Pravda points. Those facts slash factoids slash half-truths about those nations that are taking part in the World Cup that you may want to bring up to entertain your friends if bored at half-time. They're also slightly geared towards the person we really hope is listening. Are you listening, Vlad? Are you there, Vlad? <laughs> Vlad? That was the chatbot. That was the chatbot again. So, uh, Putin Pravda points. Also, Russian roulette. Players that we think may sign for major teams on the back of maybe one, maybe two, maybe three good performances at this World Cup. Hot to Trotsky. Those players that we think are not just easy on the football pitch, but easy on the eye. And finally, Moscow Mules. Those players who narratively may have just the worst time of it. The players who will have bad World Cups. Oh, just decided to open that bottle of water. Uh, Hang on, everyone. Just going to pour some fizzy water. Oh, that water. Keep those uh, vocal cords all bubbly. Right. I'm going to talk about the cellar chow. How about that? Do it. How about that? The cellar chow, which is the squad and is also the nickname of Brazil. It means the squad. It just means the squad. Also, you know that their other nickname is the canarinha. I think that it means the selection. No, it's the squad. Oh. Cello Chao, the squad. Wow. Yeah, okay. and the uh, Canarinha is the Little Canary, which is the alternative name for Brazil. But it's such a big country. Yeah, Little Canary. I think it's because of the yellow, to be fair. Yeah. But that's that's The, the only reason. other bird I can think of that is yellow is Big Bird, <laughs> which is what they should be called, because the country's huge. <laughs> the Big Birds. <laughs> the Big Birds. And also, like, the, the, the parades have all got Big Birds in them. That's true. Um, what, the parades? What, Carnival? I don't know what it's called. The, par- <laughs> the Rio one. <laughs> the one with the Big Parades. Well, like, like, parade is just another word for carnival, and carnival is carnival in English. That's a good point. Football, Carl, is one of the most important things in Brazil. Yeah. Right? They all care about it. Last World Cup was there, and as we all know, it ended in disaster. Millions of people crying in bars across the country as the Salachal lost 7-1 to Germany, right? I'm sure even our most football-hating listener... Is well, aware of aware, this result. Totally aware of that result. And if they're not, well, they lost 7-1 to Germany. People cried. It was horrific. But that's not my favourite Brazilian narrative at a World Cup. Oh, there's loads of good ones. But there's this is my, t- totally... Tell me a favourite. My Putin Pravda point, Carl, is about Ronaldo. Not Cristiano. 
the original Ronaldo and World Cup 98. These days known as Fat Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. That's a bit harsh. Well, he is known as Fat Ronaldo because he's massive. I was watching uh, a game, I think he may have even been in, in the next World Cup after this when he was still going and he had that weird triangle on his 2002, head. 2002, Japan. I was watching it with my mum, uh, bringing mums back into the podcast again. And the, the commentator, I think it was Guy Mo, Mo, not yeah Guy Mowbray, genuinely, as it cut to him, started singing, I predict a diet. Wow. I predict a diet. And my mum, walking through the room, went, oh, that's awful. A commentator started singing? Yeah. I I've predict- never heard that. Yeah, I happened. think we're going to find a clip of this. I will have a little look later and see if I can work it into the podcast. Anywho, so, uh, Ronaldo, fat Ronaldo. He went into France 98, Carl, on the back of a... 34-goal debut season into Milan. He'd netted four times as he fired Brazil nearly single-handedly into the final against the hosts France. He had scored a penalty uh, in the in the uh, penalty shootout against Holland in the semi-finals. The man was on top of the world. He was absolutely having the best time of his life. And then... No, nothing bad's going to happen now. No, of course not. Of course not. Narratively, why would I have brought this up? I just want to tell you about a really successful World Cup. And then he won the World Cup. And then he won the World Cup. The end. No, he did not. No, he did not. Uh, Then apparently... Now this... Right, at the time we just knew he was ill. Bit of hindsight. Apparently he had a fit... A seizure. A seizure. Some kind of convulsion back at the team hotel. He was cut from the starting lineup. What? Of the actual final? Of the actual final. So the, there was a uh, uh, a team sheet was released without him on it. Edmundo was on, on in his place. Oh. Yeah. Um, and uh, 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 then suddenly, out of nowhere, he was reinstated and he played the game. France destroyed Brazil. Ronaldo looked like he couldn't run. The whole game was terrible for them. It was awful. They lost 3-0 and France were the world champions. You remember this? I mean, it's, it's all kind of flooding back. I remember this, it was... I mean, I am of the age where I wasn't enough of a football nut as a baby, as a young little whippersnapper to have been into USA 94. So the US, the France 98 World Cup was my first World Cup. Sure. I was, well, I mean, I was 12, but it was the only one I really remember as the first one. And I remember Ronaldo, and I remember the complete gossip of what had happened to him. Would you like to hear some of the conspiracy theories? I, These are I, my Putin Pravda points. Can I throw the one that I've heard? Go on, throw it at me. The Ren- his teammate, the left-back Roberto Carlos, saved his life in the middle of the night before the date. This is the night before the World Cup final. That is, that is possibly true. That is possibly true. Roberto Carlos is mentioned quite a lot in, in these as the person who uh, found him passed out. But uh, the best thing is is the reasons that they reinstated him. So this is a good one. Edmundo, who I just mentioned, yeah. whose nickname was The Animal. Do you remember that? No, I don't he remember was The Edmundo. Animal. Oh, he was a great player. He was completely... He was a sort of... He would have played if Ronaldo hadn't been so brilliant. Anyway, so he, uh, he basically... Uh, went into a room because he heard Roberto Carlos cry out for help. Right. And Ronaldo was fitting on the floor. Then he went off to hospital and Edmundo was put into the starting lineup. Edmundo claims to this day that the reason Ronaldo was returned to the team and Edmundo was taken out was because Nike, Nike, whatever yeah. you, however you want to call it. I say Nike. I say Nike, I think. Cool. Anyway, I think Nike is the correct way of saying it. It wouldn't be an interesting podcast if we agreed. That's true. <laughs> So, apparently, Nike, who were Brazil's sponsors, had people with the team all the time. 
They were there the whole time. Like money men. Like money men. And apparently they insisted, this is what Edmundo says. This is crazy. That Ronaldo had to start, yeah, even though he had had a fit in the night. Edmundo would say that, wouldn't he? Imagine being Edmundo and having the coach come up to him. But I thought, I'm sorry, I thought he was in hospital. Yeah, well, he was, but he's better than you, so he's come back in the team. Oh, it's all Mike's fault. Do you yeah. want the quote? Yeah. Nike has people, Nike's, sorry, Nike's people were there 24 hours a day as if they were members of the technical staff. It was a huge power, and that's all I can say. Doesn't sound like that's all you can say. <laughs> that sounds like that's the biggest ellipsis in football history. I can imagine sitting at some bar on a beachfront, tell, like a haggard old Edmundo telling everyone that story. Oh, shut up, Edmundo. So, uh, uh, do you want to have some other uh, excellent conspiracy theories yep. about, about it? So, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to jump to my favourite ones. So, this is an email allegedly written by a source at TV Globo. Yeah, which is a TV famous. station in Brazil, yeah, and it states that Brazil sold the World Cup to FIFA for a cash fee of $23 million. The idea was to let France win to please new, new FIFA president Sepp Blatter and help the French people forget their social problems. FIFA then promised Brazil that the Sela Chao would have its path softened to win the 2002 World Cup and that Brazil would host a World Cup in the next decade. Oh my God, all those things happened. All those things happened. I mean, the Brazilian <laughs> World Cup was actually... <laughs> In 2040. Yeah, so it's not quite... It's, it didn't quite happen in the next decade, but it did happen. That is... That, uh, that so, is believable, because... I mean, it's FIFA. For listeners who don't know, uh, in the next World Cup in Japan and Korea, Brazil did win it. Yep. Uh, Ronaldo did play in the final. Yep. And was basically the match-winning player. Yeah. So... I, I, you know what, I'm going to say that I believe that is true. Well, uh, wait a second, because okay. there's a better one. So a the, better one. Oh, it's my favourite one. And this is the last one I'll give you. There's a couple of others, but I think this is the one I should definitely go out on in terms of Putin Pravda points. And I think this will appeal to Vlad and probably to our listeners. I think all of these, you know, these conspiracies are right up Vlad Street. According to rock-solid sources, I've got no... Uh, I've done some research and I've got no sources to back this up, so we're just calling them rock-solid. Ronaldo's breakdown, overnight breakdown, fitting, convulsing, was prompted... By an affair between his then-girlfriend at the time, Susanna Werner, and a Brazilian TV journalist. What makes this even more juicy is, she went on to then marry Sela Chao goalkeeper Julio Cesar. He played for QPR. He did play for QPR. He Julio played for Cesar. Brazil in the in the 7-1 thrashing. Yeah, he did. And I think QPR had just been relegated. Indeed. Neatly tying this whole Putin Pravda point together. I just like the idea that the most most impressive, most exciting young player in the world had a genuine fit because his Aww. girlfriend had an affair with a journalist. It's like throes of passion. Yeah. So those are my Putin Pravda points. Not necessarily about the current Brazil team. In fact, anything about the current Brazil <laughs> team. But definitely my favourite Brazilian narrative. Has Ronaldo, Fat Ronaldo, ever come out and said anything about what happened? He has not. He still he's won't still, say he what says, happened. He said he had a fit and he was passed, he had a, a convulsion and then he was passed fit to play. That's it. And, and I would like to know what Roberto Carlos has got to say Roberto about Roberto Carlos said that he found him fitting. That's it. Mm, the plot. So the, the one thing that everyone agrees on is he did have a fit. But what caused the fit? They still don't know. And what happened between him being cut from the team and then reinstated to the team... They don't know that either. This actually... Okay, I'm going to go slightly off piece here because we were talking about Loris Carriers and about my mum's love of Loris... I mean, admiration. Sure. La, uh, right at the beginning, actually, the first podcast. Yes, we were. He, this week, has been... Uh, it's been stated by doctors, I think, that 
he was suffering from concussion due to a, a collision early in the game. Yes, true. Which then, and there's lots of head injury uh, laws now in refereeing. It was said, it's said that, you know, it's, it's part of the law that if you have a head injury, you have to be taken off the pitch. This is now casting the whole result, Real Madrid beating Liverpool, into some sort of disrepute. Similarly to this Ronaldo story, should these games be replayed? Is there is there scope for injuries such as this to change the course of football history? Short answer? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that as a theory. Would you like to hear my Russian roulette pick for Brazil at the 2018 World Cup? Uh-huh. Okay, keeping with the goalkeeper theme. Alisson. Yes. First of all, a brilliant name. Just excellent. I mean, Brazilian football names are genuinely quite great. But Alisson is such a... It's just, to me, it just sounds like a sort of girl's name from the UK. Anyway, Alisson. He already has a reputation as an excellent shot stopper. Uh, and uh, people are already linking him with Real Madrid and Liverpool to replace Carrius, who just brought up. Uh, he only cost Roma seven and a half million euros when they brought him from Internacional. That's a good signing. That's a great signing. So if he can hold off the challenge from the other two keepers who are actually pushing for a starting place, which is Cassio and Edison, then I genuinely think if he has a couple of good games, they could be looking at one, be making, what, 10 times what they spent? Yeah, that's, that's they the number they're saying. They could get 75 million euros having spent seven and a half million, which is amazing if you think about Do it. Do you think it's a gamble? Do I think it's a gamble? No, I don't. I think he's a very good goalkeeper and I think if he has a good World Cup, that will just emphasise how good he is. So in the Russian roulette stakes, if you pull that chamber and the bullets in, you're getting a good headshot. There's no no bullet in that chamber. I'm going to blow everyone's minds here. Not only do we talk about football, but sometimes we watch football. That's insane. And I went to watch uh, Alisson play in the Champions League this season against uh, a West London team that showed just Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and he played very well and he's ve- he's a very intelligent player. He was, his time-wasting uh, skills were second to none. Well, that, and that a is good quality in the goalie. In a competitive tournament, that is these are skills yeah, that you need. True. And also, I mean, we'll come to Hototrotsky, but he's a bit of a hoy. He's not bad looking, although in terms of Hototrotsky, do you know who I've gone for? Who? Philippe Coutinho. Yeah, he's your such your style. He's young with wise eyes, Kyle, <laughs> and, and and slick hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I think he I, he's just got that's just a lot going on. He's got real. He's got that sort of pronounced chin, which gives him cheekbones. He's got sort of eyes that look like they've seen a lot. Yeah, he's a handsome lad, and also, I mean, sticking with our Jonas theme, he looks way more like a Jonas brother than the other guy I said uh, way back in uh, episode one. Yes, yeah. that's true. You, uh, you, 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 were, you were, you were quick to Jonas, someone who maybe didn't deserve it, and Philippe does. He's a bit of a matinee idol, I'd say. Yeah, uh, and my final category with Brazil, Moscow Mule. So, this is this is a as ever with us. This is probably a sad one. Mm. Tiago Silva. He is still, at the age of 33, the main choice, their main choice, their first choice at centre-half. Now, this is harsh because listeners won't know this, even if they are football fans, but he is famous for being mentally quite fragile. So I didn't know that. Yeah, four years ago, before the penalty shootout with Chile in the World Cup in Brazil, he started crying. And he said in hindsight hitting a penalty is a big responsibility so I asked God not to be selected I missed two of my last three and they asked me to be the sixth I said no I asked to be last on the list wow that, and he, he's the captain he's the ca- well no he was duly dropped as captain for the final for the final <gasps> semi-final semi-final replaced by Neymar a decision which left him quote annoyed it's like having something taken from you which belonged to you Neymar didn't come to me no one came to speak to me that's what upset me the most 
He is a fragile guy. He's fallen out with his coach at Paris Saint-Germain, Unai Emery, who's just taken over at Arsenal. This season, they had a big set to. He's, he is a quality defender, even at 33. He's got pace, he's intelligent, but does he have big game temperament? He hasn't actually won that much. Wow. He's won the French League quite a lot. And, yeah. with, uh, but, and when he was at Milan, they, they were quite good. But he's, 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 temper- he's got a genuine problem with his temperament. Remember uh, former Chelsea and France defender Frank Leboeuf? Yes. In 2014, again, after he said, I'm not taking a penalty, and they stripped him of the cam- captaincy, Leboeuf came out, and Leboeuf is well-respected in French football, said that he shouldn't be the captain of Paris Saint-Germain, that he has an attitude problem, and you sense he's sometimes in a panic. So how do you see all this manifesting itself in this tournament? I genuinely hope it doesn't, because I think anyone who has that level of honesty about not wanting to take a penalty and uh, anyone who has that level of mental courage, well, courage to admit that they're, men- they're mentally fragile within the realms of football, the hyper-masculine world of football, should be respected. However, I potentially see it manifesting itself with uh, his mental fragility costing Brazil later in the tournament, say in a quarter-final or a semi-final. If it comes to it, will he take a penalty this time? I, I mean, there's just no way. He asked to go... Bo- I mean, but this is nothing to do with leadership. Is that not good leadership to know that you're not worth taking one? I think to be then... I think that's, that punishment was just severe. I agree, but there you go. That's what happened. And that, uh, Kyle, sums up my Brazilian points. the national Mannschaft. That sounds like the German team. Yes, it does, but it is also the nickname of the Swiss team. They speak German there. And it does mean the national team. Also, sorry, I, I want you to know that I do know they also speak French. Yes, and Italian. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, what's interesting is that a lot of teams seem to be just called the national team. Boring. Really boring, except for the teams from Africa, who all have exciting, brilliant names. One of the only reasons, I think, to be proud of the England team is that is that we have a, an interesting nickname. That is true. One of the only reasons. We'll maybe get to that uh, in a later episode. For now, though, do you want to hear some Swiss Pravda points? Yes. Yeah. Putin Pravda points, I should say. So let's talk about the most exciting recent thing to happen in Swiss football and is a historic success. What? The Swiss team, Young Boys Burn won the Swiss League this year for the first time since 1986. I was born in that year. That is exactly. It is 32 years since they last won a title. They finished runner-up eight times since then, including the last three seasons. So they came Am second. Am I supposed to be like... Is, is there a reason why we all our listeners would be emotive about this? Are they a nicer teams than the other teams up there? No, but I have got a funny name. What, young boys? <laughs> young boys burn. Also, like... Young, it's like saying, that's like a double negative. Yeah. All boys are young, yeah. otherwise they're men. Exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah, it be it's funny. old men burn? <laughs> so, 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 to be honest with you, I was doing some research into Swiss football, but actually that just that just sent me on a whole different narrative. Um, Go on then. Would you like to hear some other funny, fo- genuinely real global football team names? This is good, because like, imagine you're in the pub and Switzerland are playing, and obviously... Switzerland are not famous for playing exciting football. I mean, they've got Jadon Shakiri, but anyway, we'll maybe get on to him in a minute. You're sitting there, you're watching it. I mean, if you watch them, if if you're aware of their matches against Northern Ireland to qualify for this World Cup, they were nil nil and nil one. They were absolutely dire games. 
you're sitting there watching these plays. You're like, I've I've got to I've got to make them laugh. I'm I'm gonna make my friends laugh. Young boys, and yeah. then this list. Here you go. Here we go. First one. This is probably my favourite from Swaziland. Eleven men in flight football club. Amazing. I mean, it's just brilliant, isn't it? it just, I mean, it, it, it conjures up an image of what kind of football they play. Uh, kicking the ball high up in the sky. Yeah, flying <laughs> after it. <laughs> okay, so this is from New Zealand. Taumata FC. I know what you're thinking. Not that funny. Nope. But Taumata FC is the shortened version of their full name. Here you go. Are you ready for this? Oh, God. Taumata Wakatangi Hangakoa Awatau Awatamatea Turupakakapikamaunga Horonokupakai Wenua Kitanakatahu Football Club. We had to edit it down in the edit. That was 15 minutes long. <laughs> Would you like to know the translation? Yes. <laughs> the summit where Tamatia, the man with the big knees, the slider, climber of mountains, the land swallower, who travelled about playing his nose flute to his loved ones, football club. <laughs> that's Kyle playing a nose flute. Excellent radio. So that's sort of like Welsh language. It is. Uh, it rivals that very famous Welsh place uh, for um, uh, longest place name. We already talked about uh, connective German language traits, and now we're seeing it in New Zealand. We are learning things that are not football based. We promised you. Yeah, we promised. We you. promised you that. Uh, it, now, from there, which I think was very interesting, just gets into territories of the childish. Oh God! Here we go. Norwegian team FL Fart. Oh, fart means something like land in Norwegian. <laughs> we. I think it's funny. Uh, and then Peru, Deportivo Wanka FC. Now my mum might listen to this. Uh, this is one from Trinidad and Tobago. Crab Connection FC. It's just named after a, a company that deal with crabs. That's a nice name. Yeah, Crab Connection. And then finally, this is uh, my second favourite after 11 Men in Flight, is Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs FC. Did you get the etymology of that? I, I did look into it. So in Ghana, where they're from, uh, dwarfs are considered violent, uh, mythical creatures. Oh, no. They're, like, scary. So it's, like, it's basically saying, like, it's like us. It was like if, if like, I don't know what I'm trying to think of, of a UK myth. Like, scary giants football club. Is, yeah, mysterious dwarf. I mean, I guess this also kicks into the, how... Where, you know the context of whether we should rename clubs that are named in a more offensive age. Like there's, there's a whole rigmarole in uh, America. There's a whole movement to oh, change the yeah. Redskins. Right. I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, why would you change like Haven't and Waterloo? Villa? No, 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 no. Not like battle places, but like yeah, there was. I mean, Washington Redskins should not be called the Washington Redskins. Well, you try saying that to a lot of their fans who love it. I, but they're wrong. They should not be called the Washington Redskins. It's offensive. So let's get on the phone to the Cape Coast. The Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs. They, we need to have words. But it's a positive thing. From, uh, maybe they would no, say it's not. No, you're right. You're right. I don't know why I'm defending. I also have no connection to the Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs FC. I well, don't know why I'm trying to Now we them. both do. So yeah. thanks very much for that. <laughs> also, hilariously, in a, in a section of the podcast talking about Switzerland. That may be the first link between Switzerland and the Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs FC from Ghana. We should probably, like the Swiss, try and stay neutral. Yes, indeed. Uh, so those are my Pravda points about Switzerland. Cracking. <laughs> Cracking. Really feel like you've learned something about the Swiss. I really like how you tried to pull it back to the Swiss at the end as I well. I thought I would try and link it back. Let's do Russian roulette. Russian roulette. Well, there's only one man here. You named him earlier. He's the best Swiss footballer for the last umpteen years. It's Jordan Shakiri. 
for those of you unfamiliar with Jordan's work, he's a diminutive attacking midfielder slash forward. He's extremely skillful with the ball. He's played at Bayern Munich. Where else has he been, Carl? Stoke. Yes. And Switzerland. And Switzerland. <laughs> so he was relegated from the Premier League with Stoke City this season. And, and this is his audition to get into a big team, right? I mean, frankly, with the, the level of skill he has, the ball control, the amazing... He scores... He's, if you want to talk about absolute worldies, he is a guy who scores an absolute worldie. He also has one of the best kind of like potentially trying to trademark my own body celebrations. He yes. does this kind of like hop to a stop. Like he puts oh, he, he, put, he crosses his arms and puts pushes out his chest like he is. Um, I mean, I hate. I know I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it linked into one of the team. Uh, no, we'll have to cut this. But basically, it's a wonderful celebration uh, that says, "I'm the best. I I'm pretty fed up with all of you fans." worship me and yeah. I love those people and the thing is he's very lazy he's a lazy footballer and he's not that fit he's he got a is, belly on him he's known for being stocky which is another word for saying short and fat yes that's true uh, but the, the, th- the thing is if he has a couple of good games which he will someone will buy him in I've fact there's no being, question he's being linked with Liverpool already he's 12 million quid that's all it is I say all it's just, what a disgusting thing football is but uh, 12 million pounds is his buyout clause someone's going to buy him right 100% yeah. no question so I think you can you can say that once again I've chosen one with a, probably an empty chamber there for the Russian roulette 12 million pounds someone's going to send it and they probably won't feel that bad so but that's not the point the fact the fact is he'll have a good World Cup and then be awful that's a very good point that's also I mean that's what happened to him getting relegated with Stoke this season so hot to Trotsky no contest Fabian Shah Fabian Shah woof Oh yeah. I mean honestly, right? He's yeah, he's got like a real kind of Re- cheeky, I think Ronaldo esque hung- actually. Oh he's better looking than Ronaldo. But he's got that similar vibe with the hair and the I mean he's just very attractive. He's got some modelling shots as well if you just Google image him, Fabian Shah. Yeah, he's very handsome and also he is a bit of a mixture of Ben Affleck in there mm. with de- even with a bit of Coutinho who we just had. That's weird, yeah. There's a bit of a- there's definitely a bit of Affleck. Clearly I've got a type in this group. Yeah, you do. Yeah, he's but he does have a propensity to pout. He's a pouter. He's a pouter. Anyway, so that's Fabian Shah, Hopsa Trotsky, no, no question. Finally, Moscow Mule. Mm-hmm. Now, he has got my favourite first name, I think, in the entire tournament. Harris. Yep, I've it's heard a, of this player. It's a great first name. Harris Seferovic will probably start up front for the Swiss. They, they have a history of playing players up front that they don't really need. I was going to say, they, they in our lifetime, they their history of striking... Options at World Cups have been awful. Terrible. Erin Derdyok. Oh, God, Erin Derdyok. One goal, big money move. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 the thing is, he will play out front for them. The onus is on him to score from Shakiri's brilliance. And he has scored this season, playing up front for Benfica in Portugal, four goals. So, to put that in the context for you non-league football watchers, you play about 38 games a season if yeah. in, in your, for your club team. This tournament he's going to play probably three games. So the chances are he's going to get... Zero goals. No goals. That's and just on his own form. Therefore, uh, unquestionably and undeniably, my Swiss Moscow Mule. <laughs> So the opening game in Group E is between Costa Rica and Serbia. We're going to start mm. with Costa Rica. They are nicknamed Los Ticos. What does Los Ticos mean? Los Ticos is the slang term for people from Costa Rica 
by by Spanish speaking. I think other Central American, probably from Spanish continent themselves, whoever uh, probably whoever was ruling over Costa Rica in the colonial past. <laughs> no, I don't. Spain. Spain? Yeah. So it's yeah, they Spanish. Speak Spanish. Costa the rich coast, Costa Rica. I don't speak Spanish. Oh. Shocker to our listeners. Joel does. So uh, what Los Ticos makes me think of is that uh, infamous viral video this year from a Wigan fan saying up the ticks. Now, if you haven't seen this video, uh, many people have. Many non-football uh, fans have been forced to watch this video again and again. By you, one of those, think, Probably by me. I walked down the street. It's a vine. <laughs> Do you just stop people in the street and yeah. say, watch this, up the ticks? I don't even tell them to watch it. I just put it in their face. <laughs> It's one of those... I'm not very au fait with technology. I think it's called a Vine. It's like a three-second video on a loop, so it just keeps going again and again and again. it used to be, but Vines again. don't exist anymore. What is it called now? I'm not a... A I mean, GIF? What, no, it's not I'm a GIF. More, more in tune with technology than Basically, you. it's a young lad who's probably 12 at a Wigan athletic game. Now, he... It, there's a camera coming towards him. He knows it's coming. He's practised. And he does a, a little kind of pose and shouts into the camera, Up the ticks! Come on! Which is like athletic, the ticks. So, Los Ticos, Joel, you speak Spanish. How would we say up Los Ticos and then come on in Spanish? I mean, if you'd, if you'd, if you'd warned me that I would have to think in Spanish, I'd be able to, I could say, vamos Los Ticos. Vamos Los Ticos. No, it'd be Los Ticos. Let's go. Vamos, yes? No, vamos Los Ticos. Yes, but I would say up the ticks. Yeah, no, let's go the ticks. I don't know why Joel is refusing to accept that the people from Costa Rica would say it in exactly the same way as a Wigan person would say Can I say down the ticks? Baja los ticos. No, I want up. Oh, I don't remember up. Oh, we'll have to edit it. <laughs> You're always wanting to edit it. We won't. Tell no. me about the ticos. So, my Pravda points for Costa Rica. Yes. Everyone who watched the last World Cup will know this. They were the surprise package mm. in Brazil in 2014. Yes, they were. They were in the same group as England, Uruguay, and Italy. And it was kind of known as the group of death because everyone assumed that the battle would be between those three more famous more talented teams and the Costa Rica will come in with no points and probably no goals. Yes, indeed. They actually beat Italy and then they beat Uruguay and then they drew with England, leaving the group unbeaten and they didn't even go out in the last 16. Did they not? I thought they did. Who did no, they beat in the last they 16? They beat Greece 5-3 on penalties. Jeez. And then in the quarterfinals, they lost on penalties to Holland or the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. And this game was famous because, those will remember, but those of you who did not watch it, this is really interesting, actually. This is the nature of substitutes. Usually you substitute a player because they're tired or they're not performing well. Now, in the last minute of extra time, so the time that's already added on after a game is drawn in the knockout stage, mm. Van Hal had an idea. Van Hal being Louis Van Hal, the manager of Holland at the time. His idea was to take off the poor goalkeeper, Sillison, who had played the whole game and replace him with the fresh goalkeeper. I mean, just to be clear, there is some logic behind that, right? Oh, Tim Krul, the replacement, was supposedly, and I think statistically, a better shot stopper, a better penalty saver. Well, Sillison doesn't save penalties. Famously doesn't save penalties. Well, maybe he would if he was given the chance. (laughs) He wasn't. He was subbed. (laughs) On comes Tim Krul. Tim Krul saves the penalties that knock out Costa Rica. And it's probably, I think, the shortest, most triumphant performance of a World Cup. Yeah, I can't think of... Four or five I, minutes. I can't think of something else so game-changing, but also so unusual. And Substituting a goalkeeper in football, I'm sure there's been uh, examples of it, but substituting a goalkeeper for tactical reasons, there cannot be more than a handful of examples of that, if any. No, apart from injury, yeah. 
It's an extraordinary thing to have done. And it worked. Those of you who weren't aware of that, you're sitting there, you're watching Costa Rica, and you can just use this quip. Oh, back in Brazil in 2014, what a cruel blow for Costa Rica. Because the goalie was called Tim Cruel. What a pun. People, heads will turn. Someone will buy you a pint. And you can thank us, Absolute Worldie. Hashtag absolute world. We still haven't sorted out the Twitter. We will. Maybe we'll have by the time we listen to this. Who knows? Hopefully we will know. <laughs> okay, that's my Pravda point. I've, I know I've got one more, Joel. Oh, do you remember uh, the 90s legendary footballer, Rod Wallace? Uh, I do, but uh, I remember him playing for Leeds. He played for correct? Leeds in the Premier League. He then moved to Rangers and had a successful spell there. Well, guess what? He's going to this World Cup. No, he's not. He's... Playing at this World no, Cup. No, he's not. You Rod can't Wallace be has made the Costa Rica squad. That is extraordinary. Rod Nee Wallace. I mean, what? How old is he? No, listen to me carefully, Joel. Rod Nee Wallace. It's a Nee Wallace. It's a different man, Rod it, Nee Wallace. It, right. Okay. Great. Rod Nee Wallace <laughs> is going to the World Cup. He's played for New York City. Uh, he's twenty-nine. He's a left wing attacker. Uh, Did you just do this particular Putin Pravda point to confuse me? No, I think that. People who remember the 90s and they remember the Premier League and remember Rod Wallace will be fascinated to know there's and, another Rod Wallace. And you've, I'm, I'm pretty sure if there's one person who remembers Rod Wallace, it's Vladimir Putin. He will not remember him. But I will tell you what the real Rod Wallace... Sorry, real? <laughs> the older English Rod Wallace. Do you know, know what he's doing now? I mean, he's, right. So, I, I mean, in my head, a second ago, he was going to the World Cup playing for Costa Rica. No, but... Joel, you're confused. That's Rodney Wallace. Oh, right. <laughs> Although they are both called Rodney. Okay. What's, what's the real Rod Wallace doing? Well, would you think that he was still in football or not? I would like him to please stand up. Sorry. Uh, um, uh, yes, I would think he was still he in is. football. He's, yeah. he's 48 years old. He's the reserve team manager uh, of Epsom and Ewell, who were in the Combined Counties League. Furthermore, for fans of 90s football, Joel, do you remember Kenny Cunningham? Kenny Cunningham. Of course I remember Kenny Cunningham. Played for Wimbledon. Kenny Cunningham played for various teams. Uh, Irish international. Yes. But I think a Londoner. Yes. Uh, he is also... Well, actually, he just missed out on the Costa Rica squad. <laughs> Kenny Cunningham. No, he didn't. He did. He's played with no, Kenny Cunningham. You can't, you can't trick me. You Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. A different Kenny Cunningham. Yeah, a different Kenny Cunningham. Right. Of course. But, uh, I mean, what are the odds, Joel? On their being... What are the odds? On a Let's two- move on. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to go on to my Russian roulette. It's Joel Campbell. Ah, Joel Campbell. Joel Campbell is uh, remarkably still an Arsenal player. No, come on. He left. Nope. He's been loaned out six times uh, and has featured only 23 times for Arsenal. Football is an in interesting seven thing. seven years. Jesus. Football is an interesting thing, right? Like, uh, how often... Your, 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 your employers, they employ you. You do a job. And what happens is you consistently get shunted off to a different employer, even though you're still employed by your initial employer. There's no other... I can't imagine another... Is there another job? Well, in, in this day and age, the the uh, uh, loaning club, more often than not, also pays the wages. Yeah, bizarre. And the, and a loan fee. Yeah. I mean, just totally strange. Anyway, so seven years and 23 appearances. Well, last World Cup, obviously, when Costa Rica did so well... He played so well in that World Cup that Arsenal finally gave him a chance in the first team until January. So they brought him into the first team squad for one transfer window where he was so average, they farmed him out. Uh, he was so anonymous. So you're thinking someone's going to take a... Oh yeah, I'm sure he's going to have another blinder. And someone's going to take a punt? I think, yeah, why not? I, don't th- I think he will finally leave Arsenal this summer. Mm-hmm. And I think if he has a great tournament, that he's potentially going to get a Premier League move. Fantastic. Definitely to a, a top European league. 
into a I think to a top six. European I think it's club. about time Joel Campbell had a had a permanent home that wasn't Arsenal. Oh yeah, expect some team to spin that Russian roulette cylinder. My hot to Trotsky. Now this is great because it also has a link into Russia just in this man's name. Yeltsin Tejeda. Yeltsin Tejeda. His what name is name. Yeltsin. His first name is Yeltsin. Yeltsin. I, I couldn't find any other meaning of that word apart from the Russian first president's name, Boris Yeltsin. So he's just named after. He's named after Boris Yeltsin. Oh, he is. He is. He's got. A, I mean, he's got an interesting amount of teeth. See, I didn't. I didn't just pick him because his name's Yeltsin. Are Joel. you sure? No, because he's he's like a. He's... I'm, not, I'm not sure he's the most attractive. No, in one, in the one of the pictures I chose, I think he looks a bit like Gabriel Garcia Bernal. Sorry, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. Gael Garcia Bernal. He's I, got like I, I a, him, a charm. Yeah. He's got a scruffy charm. But if he opens his mouth, there's a lot of teeth in there. Hey, you can't eat without teeth. That and you can't <laughs> smile without teeth. Okay. <laughs> Don't, you know, in 50 years' time, if you are still alive, you'll be wishing you some a mouthful of tea. That's true. That is true. Right, so that's your hot to Trotsky. My Moscow Good mule. Old Yeltsin. Tell me about your Moscow mule. It's Brian Oviedo. Ah, interesting. He already has played in England for five, six years. Yes. He, uh, he's just suffered back-to-back relegations. No. He's a Sunderland player. So two years ago, they got relegated from the Premier League. Well, one year ago. And now this year, they've been relegated from the Championship. So he's gone from being a Premier League player, high status, to a seemingly nothing player in the third tier of English football. But he, I, I thought that he would disappear without a trace, but he actually played 36 times this season. Jesus. Does he start for yeah. Costa Rica? Oh, for Costa Rica, I'm, I'm sure that he'll be in that starting lineup. On the so he'll be side. in the starting lineup, and you just think he's been so bang average for two back-to-back relegations, you think... The pressure on him to be on the left-hand side of a, of, a, of his national team at a World Cup will be too much, and therefore he'll be their Moscow Mule. He's a left-back. He's going to be facing by a lot of pacey attack. He, I just think he's going to be desperate for a, a, a better move. He's got to leave the third division. I mean, he's they're in the Sunderland. same group as Brazil, and Neymar often goes over to that right-hand side. Yeah, I think that desperation doesn't always pay off, and he's going to be so desperate to perform that I can see his misery, his professional misery, continuing for another month at least. Okay, let's kick on now with the last team in the group, Serbia. Serbia. Their nickname is Orlovi. What do you think that means, John? Orlovi? Uh, or, or, uh, I don't know. Is it up in Spanish? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, these things do go up. The lift? Up in the air. The planes? No. The birds? There's, what sort of birds are quite often nicknames for teams? Hawks. The eagles. Ah, it's close with the hawks. Why is it always eagles? I think there's something uh, dramatic about an eagle that there isn't about the other birds of prey. They swoop. I guess that you can actually have a real mascot that is an eagle. Yes, that's but true. But then why would you go to Crystal Palace eagles? famously have an eagle. A bald eagle. Yeah, that hangs out at their, uh, before games. And there's one in Portugal as well. There's a big famous hawk that does it all the way around. I think the Estadio de Luz, the Stadium of Light. Is that for the pigeons or just because it's... Cause it I think they're around? the eagles as well. I, I, I really feel that football teams' mascots... Or not, not mascots, their nicknames should refer to collective things. A football team is made of 11 thing people. It's not just one, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're not called the eagle, are they? They're called the eagles. Yeah, but you don't... You don't want 11 eagles. But what, what good are 11 eagles? 
together. <laughs> what good? Like, if you had 11 eagles hunting what... one mouse, the mouse would literally win because they wouldn't better work out who was eating the mouse. I mean... T- Not literally win. Literally win. <laughs> but they should be, the teams should be called things like the ants. <laughs> things that work to a collective good. <laughs> that, anyway, moving on. Norwich are called the canaries. I mean, this is... <laughs> Well, that, that's good, because Norwich are a good club to send ahead of you down a mine. That's right, If you think great. of it, yeah. I mean, um, if we could keep on with this, I mean, I mean we, we could get really lost down a, an incredible rabbit hole. I mean... The st- rabbits? The rabbits. I don't know if there's a team called the rabbits. And I was just thinking about the potters. Yeah, but that's because they come... But that, that's perfect, because the potters are good people that make a beautiful product together. And Stoke City, who are the potters. Uh, that's the, what they're most famous for. Right. Perfect. Great. Aston Villa, the villains. That's terrible. That's lazy. <laughs> I'm moving on. Okay, Putin's Pravda points. So I've also, I think it's time to admit, I think you work this out instantly. We don't know what a chatbot is. No, we don't know what a chatbot Why? Why we think a chatbot goes, because we said the word Putin on the internet. I've just got, I've got images that, like, I used, it would have been, you know, years ago, it would have been an image of a man in the dark, uh, a computer or a woman, yeah. hacking. But now I know that it just does it automatically. Yeah, of course it does. So it's, well, I, in my mind, it's called a chat bot. Yeah, But it's really, not... it's probably a spy bot. I mean, the other, the other thing that we should probably admit is that we're fully aware that, that we've shoehorned the word Putin into, into a, some kind of alliterative way of saying, here are some facts. No, because they are for him so that he is well informed. I, and it's true, he lacks information. Although as we've... Uh, I, don't, I think information is the last thing that he lacks. I mean, as we've established. Please don't kill us. <laughs> Please don't kill us, Putin. Oh, right. Anyway. Serbia, we're talking about Serbia. Tell me some Putin Pravda points about Serbia. So, this is my big one. Putin Pravda points. Serbia have, amongst their retired players... Right. The first player to ever play at three World Cups for three different nations. What? I know what you're thinking. You've made that up, Carl. You've been struggling for Serbia. That is impossible. <laughs> How can you play for more than one nation? Joel, I think you know. I'm going to break it down. Go on, break it down. Break down. There break used to down. be this what country. What I'd like is if you broke down the entirety of Eastern European history from 1945. I will not be doing that. And I, this is not what this point is about. This is a football-based... <laughs> Point. Are you sure? I promise you I don't I know mean, enough. It links back to a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about Croatia, but go on, continue. So, Oh, it does, quite neatly. Yeah. So rather than watch me kind of flail about trying to remember the historic uh, <laughs> timings and years, just listen back to that podcast. Um, Yugoslavia <laughs> used to be a thing. <laughs> we, when we were if kids... There's, if there's a, a title for this episode, it's definitely Yugoslavia used to be a thing. It used to be a big thing. And then it, now it's three or four smaller things. Um, so... <laughs> When we were done more research. when we were kids, Yugoslavia was a country in a, on an atlas. It was. Now most of some of our listeners, I say most, I don't know whether the young people are going to be particularly appealed. Some of our listeners will never have think, even heard of Yugoslavia. What do you think our age bracket is? We're getting off topic. Here. I think our age bracket is thirteen to thirty nine. <laughs> so Joel thinks it's thirty five to seventy. Yeah, that's more likely. Whatever. Um, I think... At least that means my dad can still listen. Can I get back to my point? Yes, you can. Sorry. So Yugoslavia... Used to be a thing. Used to be a one nation. It broke up into smaller nations, including Croatia, including Serbia, including Montenegro. Now, there's this player called Dejan... Sorry, Dejan Stankovic. Is he played... Dejan, not Dejan? Well, I had a neighbour from Croatia, which I meant to bring up in the last uh, episode with Croatia. Uh, a Croatian family, Croatian-English family. The dad was called Dejan. Dejan. Oh, and his go. brother was called I, Drashka. I, I always would have thought that Dejan, Dejan Stankovic would be Dejan, not Dejan. 
I think it. Well, I mean, think about Central European name Jan is always yeah, Jan. No, true. Anyway, anyway, he played for Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia in 1998 in France. Then when that nation disbanded, he played for Serbia and Montenegro in 2006 World Cup in Germany. And then he was when that team broke up. He played for just Serbia in 2010. Right, three teams. Now during that whole bit, Joel has been looking at me. Strangely, because I know that he thinks that Yugoslavia broke up before 1998. How could Dejan Stankovic have played for Yugoslavia at a World Cup in France six years after the breakup of the country? That is exactly what that slight pause was when you told me that Dejan Stankovic played for them in 1998 at the World Cup. I also think that there are lots of, there's going to be a myriad of political real reasons why that was the case. Mm. But I'm going to tell you what I probably think happened. You had a successful bunch of players who played together. The World Cup, they, they didn't want to miss out on a you know, good chance of playing well. And they just thought, well, we'll just keep the team, we'll keep the old, the old band together. Keep the band together. Keep the band up, together, you know, yeah. No. It's like a, like, a, like a Rolling Stones tour. Exactly. Should have broken up years ago. They didn't do very well at that World Cup either. So a complete waste of time. Um, <laughs> that is amazing he played for three. I mean, that's, I mean, like, obviously, you know, global politics and football, as we've established in previous episodes, tend to go hand in hand. But that is extraordinary that he's played for three different self-identifying nations. And in finding that out about him, I looked up to other other players that have played for more than one nation. And lots have done it in a non World Cup setting. Some have done it at World Cups. Lots of different players in the Yugoslavia breakup went to different teams like Croatia as well. So there are other players of of his generation that did the same thing. Um, But it's not something you associate with, you know, one of the last bastions of nationalism that is a football tournament. No. Every four years. Every four years. I'm going to move on to my Russian roulette. Tell me your Russian roulette. His name is Sergei Malinkovic Savic. Ah, yeah. Now, I know Joel has heard of him, and some of you may have as well. He's had a, what you would call, a, a prominent season at Meteoric Lazio. Meteoric rise to fame, I would say. I mean, if he makes a big money move this summer, or if he stays at Lazio, but has an amazing tournament, I think yes. he's going to become a household name. Agreed. I mean, what? it's going to be hard to make him become a household name because that is a mouthful. Milen- sometimes Milen- people Milen- have double barreled names and sometimes it's because their parents aren't married and sometimes it's because we think they're stereotypically posh. With this man, I don't know. I never met him, so I don't want to pass aspersions. <laughs> but I do know that he's you not... never met Milenkovic Savage. He's not related to the other... There's a, there's a, Stef- there's a Stefan Savage who is also an international footballer. Yeah. He's not in any of the squad... This summer. So I've never seen him play, but from what everyone says, he is like the quintessential perfect central midfielder. He gets up and down the pitch, he passes the ball beautifully, he scores goals, he makes assists. He's young. He, yeah. He's he, he's at the right age to make a, a step to a, a big European club. Uh, all the noises were a few weeks ago that that club was going to be Manchester United. Yes, 72 million quid. Yes, to join his uh, international compatriot Nemanja Matic. Yes. But... They have just signed, or in the process of signing as we speak, Fregi, the Brazilian, who plays in exactly the same position. Mm. And with all this ongoing turmoil surrounding Pogba, which you've also spoken about, it seems unlikely that they would sign two players for yeah. the same position yeah, unless they're going to sell Pogba. And even so, why would Milinkovic Savic sign now when they've signed Fregi? So you think Russian roulette-wise, someone's going to take a gamble on him on the basis of that he probably will have a good World Cup, he's had a great season, uh, but that someone won't be Manchester United. I really hope that he does play well, because, as you said, you've never seen him play. Playing for Lazio is not a club in the Champions League. It's difficult for a lot of non-Italians to watch him play, and I don't want people like me to be able to say, well, I've never seen him play well. Yeah, Because it's the laziest bit of kind of criticism and judgment of a player. I mean, you did it, but... 
two episodes ago about William Carvalho. But, but it does, honestly, it does, that sort of thing does take me. I will, I, it takes me years to go over that. Yeah. I will, if, I, if he doesn't have a good World Cup, he's pretty much dead to me. Right. So who's hot to Trotsky in the uh, Serbian team? I don't know if you've heard of this player, Joel. His name is Adam Lajic. Uh, I, I, I want to say it plays in Italy, Fiorentina? He, he plays for Torino. Ah. But Adam Lajic, he did play for Fiorentina. Uh, he was also in uh, a really early stage of his career, fledgling youth career, moved to Manchester United. Oh, did he? Alex Ferguson signed him and a player called Tosic at the same time. Oh, a double Serbian uh, wonder kid swoop. Yeah, and, mm. and one of them got into the first team, not Lajic. Right. Uh, if you, um, you might have seen his name written down. It's got J's in it that I'm not pronouncing. Can uh, I have a gander at him, please, Kyle? Yes, you can. As he is hot to Trotsky. Uh, here he is. Oh, well, yes, you've improved dramatically on your previous efforts. Uh, it's not about, I mean, I might, it's not for my taste to match your taste, Joel. I'm just showing you what I'm appreciating. Now, I, don't, I think maybe the Torino shirt also does it for me. It's a kind of uh, a deep maroon. And I think with the sort of inevitable tan you would get from living in Italy in the summer months, yeah. it just it just complements his skin tone. And he's not thin either. I like that about him. He's not thin. No, he's got a little, he's got, he's not, you know, he's not quintessential football thin. No, he's more like playmaker, I'm not going to do the hard yards. I'm um, guessing he doesn't run that much. I think he's actually quite quite quick, but he's definitely quick of mind. He's an intelligent player, Mm. Uh, but also he's uh, easy on the eye. And pretty. So Moscow Mule for Serbia, the last last point, last category that we're going to make in this entire group. Vladimir Stojkovic. Right. Oh, I can see Joel's ticking tock. Maybe you've heard of him. He's played in... Goalkeeper. A goalkeeper, yes. He's played for two clubs in England. I'm surprised myself so far in this one, Kyle, with how many things I've known about Serbia. Stojkovic or Stokovic has played in the past for Wigan. He was an emergency loan for Wigan and played four times. Uh, But this year past, he left England. But the year before, he was with Nottingham Forest. Oh, right. Wow. Now he's 34 years old. Is he the number one? Yes, I think so. That's a sh- They've got such a quality squad, Serbia. It's a real shame that that their goalie's thirty-four year old who played most of his football in the English Championship. Now the thing about goalkeepers, for those of you who are listening who don't follow the age of footballers as clearly um, ardently <laughs> as Joel and I do, for a goalkeeper, thirty-four actually isn't very old. For an outfield player, thirty-four, you're looking at your kind of. Um, your uh, twilight, twilight years, years. Um, but he, he he could be this could be his peak yeah but I suspect his recent he's a bit of a, a, tra- a kind of what's the word for a player that travels about plays around journeyman a journeyman you would call him a bit of a journeyman and I you know sometimes in an international tournament the goalkeeper can be the weak link mm. and I think that is the case in this team I think he is their weak link he's going to be their Moscow mule kickball with So, Kyle, that about sums it up for not just Group E, but this episode. Uh, Do remember to join us next time for the next group, as we will be previewing them on the Absolute Worldy podcast. See you soon. The Absolute Worldy podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. Our theme tune is courtesy of Adam Janotowazowski, and all other music is non-copyright and licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks again for listening and do stay tuned for a small taste of what's to come in our next episode. Have you ever played Play Your Cards Right? No, I have not. Have you ever seen it on the television? No, I have not. When you were a kid, you didn't see Play Your Cards no, Right? No, I did not. It was Bruce Forsyth standing with cards. And Lower. He... Kick ball with fur.